0: This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies. Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd from SI.com. Browns, Maven, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, all things Cleveland Brown-wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete, with the announcement yesterday, and then, you know, you look at maybe where the GM search was going, and then, you know, then the news starts to trickle out. And you're seeing, wow, it's going to be a complete analytic front it, for the most part. It's going to be what Jimmy Haslam told us, uh, I guess, New Year's Eve, that, look, we're going to get as much information together. We're going to use it. We're going to run as a unified organization for the first time. And perhaps ever, and Pete, right about it, right about when we got done, posted the show. I guess some of the local beaters, you know, woke up from being hammered away. Whatever it be, that as it may, it all went to hell, Pete.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't come into this with a horse in this race, so I wasn't going to be upset about any result maybe brian dable i don't know uh, but overall i was sort of ready for whatever um and i had an open mind about it and you know some people didn't and were very set on one particular candidate and anything else wasn't going to be good enough so i don't know I, I it it's irritating from like i don't have a problem with like you know you have your opinion whatever Um you know, if it gets in the way of, you know, doing other things, then I suppose it could be a problem. But if if you're looking at it through the sort of the lens of a little bit of bias there, uh, I think they're still providing some interesting information and things that, you know, at least are discussable. Um, I I don't know if I just think the the, the Josh McDaniels thing and being so mad about it from people who don't, you know, from the general fan, I just think so much of it is just being beaten over the head with a brand for so long in Josh McDaniels. It basically became like Coke and, you know, it was either, you know, Coke or, you know, some generic off brand somebody's never heard of and everybody wanted Coke. And that's, you know, that's fine, I guess, but they're not even considering me the benefits, the other one. And, you know, I think some of this is part of like this weird. It's like elevating Paul DePodesta into this weird boogeyman thing that doesn't make any sense. Like he's still the chief strategy officer. He's still doing his job, but yet there's been this notion like people have this belief that like computers are going to be calling the plays or something and that never made sense like even if you just watch the movie moneyball and you realize what's going on in there like that's not how that works either they're still having to play baseball they're just sort of interested in certain things and they're not they're not managing the game. You're not doing any of that stuff. I mean, the whole thing is the guy, you know, Billy Bean is, you know, never watches the games. He just sort of behind the scenes. So, you no, know, I just, it's weird to me. Like I, you know, he's going to have his press conference tomorrow. I expect he'll probably, you know, say some things that, Oh, I, you know, people convince themselves. I think, you know, there's a certain population of people that listens to Joe Thomas and what he said about him, which was a pretty glowing review. And well. will at least be a little bit more open-minded than that. But it's weird how divisive this topic is to the point where it's like, you know, if if uh, Stefanski doesn't win this week, despite the fact there's no game till September, <laughs> like he, he, you know, he's in trouble or something. Like I, it, I don't know. I, I like no matter who they hired, there were things that were interesting and, and things that could have been productive and good there's not enough known to say you know this is going to be bad or whatever and like the other thing that's driving me insane is the amount of people who seem to be like projecting their dissatisfaction into the locker room and basically saying well the players are going to hate this which is you know insane you don't know that you don't know anything regarding that he might be a guy they're really excited about or they maybe have the same approach where they don't know and they're going to find out like a whale, but it's just way too polarized the situation. And I'm hoping that people just sort of get past it, especially when it comes to like, you know, the specter analytics,
0: which is just information and data and you should want those things. Well, that's kind of what I want to get to a little bit more here, but it, it was insane how it all went down and it feels like, you know, a certain, certain media members, like it was, like they chose Kevin Stefanski over their brother or they chose Kevin Stefanski over Bill Belichick. It was just like, and look, you knew where I guys was at the end. I, I felt you should have taken the guy with the best resume because it's always been a crap show here. So at least gamble on the guy who's been around winning football. Uh, the guy who's got some rings. Yes, I, I know he wasn't the head coach in New England. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that was my stance on it. But if you're truly going with this unified front and where Josh came in and apparently, you know, Josh spent, you know, last 10 to 15 minutes was with Jimmy Haslam before he left and basically told Jimmy, okay, yeah, nice talking with Paul. I don't want him around here. And so it basically was, you know, I want to come in and you can own your football team and I am going to do everything else or me and my people are going to do everything else, you know. It's, you know, that's also a pride thing on Jimmy Haslam. You know, it's, uh, well, you know, so basically you're telling me everything I've done here to this point is absolutely terrible. Well, there's some truth to that, it is. But, you know, maybe he likes this approach. And Jimmy's a businessman. And this is where we're going to get to this analytical thing and these Monday meetings where, guess what? Jimmy's going to want to know and sit down what went right yesterday, what went wrong yesterday, why did we win, why did we lose? And as far as this Friday game plan, and Pete talked about this yesterday and there is no, why do you think something like PFF exists and however NFL teams choose to use them? A lot of it is because of tendencies that teams have who lines up where, how many times do they go in this setting? What do they do on 39? If I run 10 personnel and that's where it is. Okay. Now, this is the game plan. This is what we're looking at. This is most likely what the defense is going to do. Okay, guys, go to work. Now, what if this is what we want to do, what are we going to expect to see from our opponent? And as far as the headset thing or the guy sitting with, if it's a wide receiver coach or if it's the offensive coordinator in the booth, and just like I said, and it's third and nine, all right, we put 10 personnel on the field. They blitz 61% of the time in this or it's 4th and inches. Hey, guess what teams are 12 of 13 going against them on 4th and 1. This is useful information. This is what you want. It helps you do your job better. In my job, I want to know how I can make someone more efficient. It took you 61 minutes to do this. I'm kind of poking around here. It could have been done in 57. It's yeah, it's it's kind of breaking stones a little bit, but it's it's so much more involved in the, in football where that one tiny miscue could have been the difference between in winning and losing the game. So why not make the most freaking educated decision you can, Pete? Well,
1: there's a lot of things, but ultimately it's just access to information. And I, and I can't stress that enough, but like, um, one of the, con- you know, one of the complaints about, Kitchens and the Browns last year is they looked unprepared and they were slow getting plays in and they didn't adjust quickly enough. Well, unprepared, this is another way to get prepared. It's data based on what they're seeing and what they, you know, the, the idea of handing game plans to the analytics department, they're going to essentially get the data that's relevant to them. It's like, you know, I don't know how many people remember what a library is, but you would essentially you know have a list of things in the library and would look them up for you and give you the information based on what you need well so the the game plan is essentially narrowing that down so they don't just give you like giant binders full of information and giving you stuff that's specifically of interest to you for what you're trying to do and uh if it like even more than just like percentages of what should we do you know fourth and you know five you know, based on where we're at in the field. So, like, let's say it's, you know, we're near the end of the the first half. There's, like, 57 seconds left, and there's two timeouts or something. And you're at your own, you know, 33-yard line. And the analytics person might say to you in the headset real quick, Coach, you've got, you know, you've got – let me think. This would be – you've got about six plays to get, you know, 20 yards to get yourself a field goal range or, you know, go to the end zone, whatever. You've got about six plays. If you, you know, you don't waste any or have to, you know, blow something or, or change some. You got about six plays to get, you know, in this case, 67 yards if you're trying to score. Well, that gives you an idea, one, how many plays you have to have to run, but also how, how aggressive you need to be in terms of how far those plays go to sort of keep you on schedule and like that stuff. So, that's valuable, like really valuable because you don't have time to think about that stuff. You're trying to think about the play you're going to call and what you want to do and that specific standpoint. Or let's say it's nothing but the analytics guys telling you when to use your timeouts. Big or, you know, you basically relay information to them saying, here's what we're trying to do. And they basically say, well, we, you know, they're in your headset going, call timeout, call timeout, call timeout, whatever it is. So you're not running around with your chicken, like a chicken with its head cut off, wasting a bunch of times like the Houston Texans did yesterday in the playoffs. These are ways to get more efficient. And the same way, if you have data that's, tell, you know, so much of this is, you know, Freddie Kitchens, you know, sadly is an easy target for this joke going with his gut. Um, on a lot of things, let's say you have information telling you, you know, that, that makes you feel good, you, like feel good about what you're doing. You feel more confident. If you're feeling more confident, you're not thinking as long. You're not second-guessing yourself long. You're getting the call in, and you're moving on. So that gets the plan faster to the quarterback. The quarterback gets it faster to the line, and you can run your offense. And there's so many things where just having a little bit of information from these people that you specifically hired, it's like having a personal assistant to your coaching staff, except you have more than one, and they're not coaching your players. They're just giving you information. So it's useful. Um and and it, it only you know it's it's little things that make you a little bit better. And when your organization is worth over a billion dollars, what should piss you off isn't the idea of using this stuff, it's the idea that you aren't. Because this yes. is accessible and it's just a matter of spending some money, which they have ample amounts of, and other teams are already doing this. So you are now catching up to teams like the Eagles and the Ravens who have people in the box, you know, uh, Greg Roman has somebody in his in, in, one of his headset guys is an analytics So When he's on offense, he's got somebody giving him information, whatever, you know, Doug Peterson, the same thing has somebody in his headset giving him information. It's like having Google at at your disposal during the game. And that's really, really valuable because there's just information you, you don't want to have to think about or, Call up. You can just be like, you know, give me this, and they can be like, boom, here it is, and you just operate. It's no different than the guy, the eye in the sky. That's the guy in the box trying to be a spotter for the the coaches on the field. You know, what are they seeing in terms of, you know, depth of the DBs? where where the safety's at? How many are in the box? You know, where's the where's the one? Where's the three? Like it's the same stuff. It's information. All of that is analytics. Anything along that line is analytics. The same way that tape is analytics, it's data, it's information. Everything that's information we counted as is, is analytics. So, the more information you have, the whole concept of even, you know, getting the opponents' tape and game planning and stuff—that's all data and information. The more of it you get, the better off you are, or can be. It's at your disposal. You—it's up to you to use it. But You know, the idea that, like, the way it was presented was, well, these are things that, you know, the coaching staff has to do, God forbid. So, you know why the coaching staff agreed to do this? Or Kevin Stefanski, I should say, agreed to this? Because he's smart. He wants this stuff at his disposal. So he hands off the game plan Friday, gets this information, then game day before the game starts or on game day at some point. No different than having, like, what would be a coach's meeting before the game to make sure you have everything else ready to go. The, the analytics department's basically just double-checking to make sure they have everything the coach could need at a moment's notice. So there's no downtime. It's right there, easily accessible, no different than you people who you, you carry your phone around so you can easily get stuff right there. The, you know, for however many years the Browns didn't have a phone. Now they do. That That's big, and there are teams that don't, the Giants and the Redskins. Don't be like them.
0: Oh, no. And, and part of it is, is it's, it's having the old traditional where all you can do is make calls. Now they have a smartphone. They've elevated there. But two other things. Now, like, now you brought, draw up the scenario where you're trying to get a field goal before the half. All right, you got a big play. You cross midfield. Um, you know, you, you, time's getting to the essence. Clock it, clock it, clock it. Don't call timeout. We only got one timeout left. Why clock it? All right, we got two shots to get closer. Save the timeout for whatever happens when we're setting up the field goal. Things of like that. These are things you're going to get into your ear because you got a million miles an hour, and you got seventy thousand people screening, and it's sometimes you get lost in the moment. And the Freddie thing—I uh, went with my gut. Well, don't do it sixteen weeks in a row, because sometimes the gut didn't always pan out. So sometimes if there's people who put in hours and this is their job, maybe give it a shot. You know, give it a shot. Just entertain it. Um, one other thing: these Monday meetings. How many, how many Mondays did we listen to Freddie Kitchen say, well, these, we're running the wrong routes. This guy's running the wrong routes. This guy's running the wrong routes. And I, I remember even talking about this with Pete. Like, this makes zero sense. How many people and guys are running the wrong freaking routes? And then you find out that after about the first 15 or 20 plays, Freddie was just running whatever the hell he wanted. And when Odell and Jarvis are only practicing on Friday – which was the case pretty much down the latter part of the season because they were both really banged up. They were able to go. They weren't able to go Wednesday and Thursday. They were able to show up on Friday, which is usually a lighter practice anyway. And, you know, for them, it was catch up and install on the field. You're calling stuff from three and four weeks ago. Well, guess what's going to happen in these Monday meetings? And guess guess where Freddie's ass would have been in big trouble would have been, well, this wasn't in what we went over when you guys handed this in on Friday. That is a prime example of that. We'll get to a new GM candidate. We're going to do some stuff here with Mock Draft Monday. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Locked On Browns. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to Echelon.com to discover these Easy uh, connected t- fitness routines that uh, help you establish these goals that you have set for the 2020 year. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone: busy moms and dads, first responders, and elite athletes. Whatever your activity level, join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com/slash l o n f l all caps. To learn about the limited time, free Apple iPad, and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's E C H E L O N Fit.com slash L O N F L. All caps. Echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F L. Now, Pete, uh, a new name surface today obviously GM wise and this would be um you know and everybody go ahead have your fun with it George Patton from the Minnesota Vikings Pete where George differs a little bit from Andrew Berry is and it's going to be interesting because Pete I know you I know me we may want somebody who's just more of a straight talent evaluator and this is not saying that Andrew Berry isn't that but it's it's the and, and Pete, you you love the numbers and you love the ad- analytics as far as you know production requirements, athletic requirements, and all of that stuff. But you would like that nice mix of the guy who is the absolute take guy, who says, "Whoa, I really like this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy." And then you pair him up with the analytics department to say, "Okay, we actually really like that guy. We really like that guy. We really like that guy too." okay, we disagree here. This is, okay, this is a guy where we differ. We both agree this guy isn't good. But Patton, he's, he, he's more of the evaluator of talent. And whether or not, I don't see how it's going to be two of them, both of them, it'd be nice if it was maybe. Um, and it does seem like Barry's kind of got the upper hand here. But this is where Patton would be interesting or someone like him.
1: Hi, I wish I knew anything about George Patton, other than the fact his name is George Patton. Um, you know, it, what do you want me to say? I, like, this is the thing. It's like I, I can tell you I like Andrew Barry because I have some sense of what Andrew Barry does, and he does a lot of what I do. And, you know. I'm all right. So, you know, getting me in there essentially is the best possible way. Well, I mean,
0: Patton is a a scouting guy, and there's going to have to be one of those in this mix somewhere.
1: Uh, That's fine. Again, I don't know what the plan here is. You know, if, if Patton's trying to, you know, if this is entirely for a GM job or if there's some other weird ass, you know, thing he can sort of promote into or... Whatever I don't know, or there's some actual
0: title of president could that be Andrew Berry and somebody gets a GM title? I, I don't know.
1: Or if it's literally just you know doing what they did with the head coach and basically getting you know multiple candidates in here to interview and see who the best guy is. Like I don't have a problem with that. It's uh, you know it's one of those things to uh, to discuss. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously. You know, if Andrew Barry wants the job, I assume he's going to get it. But uh, you know, it's it's worth investigating the same way we said, or I said again, right? Uh, said it was worth talking to guys like George Sala or Robert Sala, who apparently came pretty close to getting the job. Like, it's not bad to you know get a sense of what the Vikings are doing from a front office standpoint. In addition to the fact that obviously he has some crossover with Stefanski and his time in Minnesota, and he may be able to give you some valuable insight into that stuff. So it's, I, I, I again, I wish I, I could tell you more about Patton. Um, you know, I can make a joke about how I wish, you know, he would figuratively, I, I can't stress that enough, shoot Chad Thomas in the head, like uh, Patton with the donkey, but um <laughs> uh, there's, you know, I, there's just not enough information. So I'm not going to pretend I have it.
0: And that's the one thing with front office personnel. It's even harder to give you stuff on that. And um, I'm going to have a guest tomorrow. Hopefully we can get some insight there. Um, I'll, I'll continue with the two for Tuesday. Obviously, you know, this will end up being, you know, your first Tuesday episode, uh, the one I had planned for the morning. Another one there in that respect. So it's, you know, <laughs> It's, it's difficult to gauge front office guys. We can speak on Andrew Barry because Andrew has been here. Pete's actually met the guy felt like a, you know, older than him felt turtled up around such a smart guy with the Harvard education. I can't blame you, bud. I would have felt the same way. If you got a word out of your mouth, you did better than I would have, bro. I'm going to roll on through here.
1: I got, I got got multiple words out. Uh, You know, I, it was it was slightly better than the Chris Farley show, but for anyone <laughs> old enough to actually remember that um but you know not that much far off again, it look, look i I happen to agree with a lot of what he does in terms of evaluation um he can always get better uh he can call me if he needs help um he's just you know i'm I'm happy to lend a hand in that sense, but you know, I just think um it doesn't hurt the fact that he has. In the game, when it comes to the Browns roster, it doesn't hurt the fact that the Haslam's are very comfortable with him, having you know been around him and really like him. And I'm hoping that's you know part of the reason he will ultimately take the job. Is in addition to the fact that I don't know if he'd be the youngest GM in the league, but he's got to be damn close. Uh, I'd be stunned you
0: know, if, if he was. Be stunned. In addition to
1: being you know one of the few uh, African American GMs or minority GMs in the league as well. I mean, there's. There's a lot of, you know, for all the criticism, and and again, this is one of those topics that's 100% legitimate about minority hires and coaching. You know, this is not a small thing if if you're hiring a 31-year-old African American to be the GM of your franchise. In the same way that it was a big deal when they hired Sashi Brown. Obviously, uh, you know, in this case, uh, Barry's got a far better resume in terms of you know being the GM, but nevertheless, it still matters and is important. And I think um, I, I don't think that's lost on them in this situation.
0: Nor should it be. And um, Stuart Scott, who wanted to uh, basically, I guess, cancel the Browns out because they didn't hire Eric B and me when nobody else did. Um, I hope you have something to say if Andrew Berry becomes general manager of the Cleveland Browns, because it's, you can say a lot of things about Jimmy. That's one thing in one way. That Jimmy does not roll. Rolling on through here, Mock Draft Monday. Um, As you guys know, uh, the Draft Network, if you do or you do not know, they have two shows here. Uh, Locked On NFL, Draft Dudes, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Joe, my buddy, an impending father, got a baby girl on the way pretty much any day now. Um, Joe's going to be a stay-at-home dad. I'm pretty looking forward to that. Um, And all that goes along with that. Joe, you need any help, man? Give me a shout. I do remember the baby days. Now, uh, you know, this for us to do this year through the network, this was, you know, inspired Um, draft network. They drop mock drafts every Monday. They rotated through, you know, the staff over there. Today was uh, Ben, uh, Ben Solek's turn. Uh, Ben may be the youngest dude in all of, you know, this football. These football parts Um, looks every bit the age of about 12. But college graduate engaged to be married. Uh, He dropped this mock today. He actually went two rounds, and God bless you for that, Ben. End of the point now where we want the two-round knocks. Pete was Andrew Thomas from Georgia at 10, keeping with the left tackle theme. Xavier McKinney at 41. Uh, you know Whether you want to double up on the tackles, that's okay. I think he can still get tackle in third round if you're thinking right tackle. Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney, Pete.
1: Uh, I like Andrew Thomas quite a bit. Uh, I think he's very good. I I think he's got a very good argument to be the best tackle in the class. Um, He's just impressive in terms of economy and movement, how well he's able to – his flexibility and just his power for the position. Um, You know, I think he's a plug-and-play guy. He's like 21, if that. He may be still 20, as as is a theme with a lot of these, these tackles in this class. He's just super young. Uh, I I just think he's impressive. Now, he plays a more of a gap scheme and and there would be some much out there, but I think he's a guy that somebody's going to build a franchise around and I expect it's going to be the New York Giants unless they do something crazy, like take Beckton. Uh but uh which is certainly yeah, possible. Which is he's just a a very very good prospect and and you know, he he is sort of the um he feels sort of like the not I don't want to say Joe Thomas, but certainly in the realm of He's he's more the old school. Uh, you pick him and and you sort of forget about him for however many years type prospect that used to be around. Um, uh, as far as Xavier McKinney, um, his production is very good. I think he's more of a strong safety than a free safety. He makes a ton of tackles uh, at Alabama. He made a ton of tackles last year. Uh, made way more tackles than Mac Wilson. Should have been a hint. Um, I, I think, think, think he's another guy that offers a little bit of uh, versatility in terms of being a, a uh, top down safety or somebody you can play in the box, depending on what they want to do scheme wise. Uh, but I, I don't think he's a free safety. Um, I think he's, he, he's big, he's very strong uh, and those type of things. And it has some instincts to, to play the ball, but I think you're better off keeping him on the strong, the strong spot and then having somebody be more of a true free guy. Um, as always, it's Alabama, so we'll see about the met Fire beware. Yeah, so but he is a, he is a an impressive prospect in terms of how he's gotten here. He's he's uh, some people think he's the best safety in the class. I don't know if I'd go that far, but again, he's got a he's got a hell of a resume based on his production and stuff. So I'm curious to see how he tests and things like that.
0: Yeah, for no doubt, and you know if you're going to talk about him as a strong safety. Yeah, 41. I mean, you know, you're not going to entertain the thought of – look, and everybody, oh, safety's a need. Right now, I don't see any of these safeties being worthy of 10 guys, and that's why Pete and I keep harping on this as far as the fact of, you know, it's – there's certain – that's why it becomes tackle. It just seems like the most realistic scenario at 10 now. Look, a lot can change. There's no doubt about that. We have no – you know – There's moves to be made. The guys are going to move on, and a more pressing need may show up or at least equal need at 10. But for now, the way this looks, and with that, we're going to take the Draft Network Mock Simulator through a run here. Um, And Pete, we're here. um, Two tackles off the board at 10. Best available, and this is funny because I I may not even have to say a second name knowing Pete, but so I'll go from top up. Uh, A.J. Espenza, edge from Iowa. Grant's it Safety LSU. We've already just discussed this. Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, I love him. I do. But I don't love Isaiah Simmons at 10. I want Joe Schobert back. Um, C.D. Lamb. And, you know, wide receivers, a fun scenario to play here, but probably not needed. And best available, Pete, at 10 overall from the University of Iowa. Tristan Wirths
1: Well, uh, I mean, I, I love Werps. Uh, I, I, you know, I messed around with this a little more honestly than that, and to this point, Werps has not declared. Um, so I actually went with Makai Becton at ten, uh, b- because I, I again, uh, we'll see. I, I could be, I could be dead wrong about this, but I think he's just uh, the the further this process moves along, he's going to fly up, um, whatever board. I, I don't understand how. You know, anyone's thinking, it, it, you know, if he's that good, then he's gonna go, you know, second round. Like it, it, one of those things where you go super, super high when you're that big, that strong, that fast. Um, but look, I, it works. If he's there, I, I'm running the card up. It, it just to me, you know, we'll see. He may test like crap. I don't think he will. Uh, if he declares though, I, 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 especially now that we've got a head coach, that you know ran that ran a heavy zone scheme with that inside, uh, wide, you know, that wide zone stuff, I think Werfs is the wet dream for what you're trying to do there. And I'd leave him at right tackle, though they could move him to the left. But failing that, um, if he decides not to declare, I, I would be get very ready for the possibility that we're going to, you know, maybe they trade down before they do it. I tend to doubt it, though, that, that, that you know, we,
0: we might be talking about Makai Beckton at 10. Okay. Do you have yours that you did? I did. I, I started, all, right, well, all right. We'll run with that. So you know that will obviously you know went tackle there Makai Beckton and look I, I agree with Pete and you know look in, in, in I'm not faulting the draft network here in any way There's names that you know maybe they had on the back burner There's names that you know they may have not fully gotten to yet now that they've declared um, There's another tackle I absolutely love later for the right side but Pete that'll put us at 41 um, You've got left tackle out of the way and. The the joy of him, and I have my dream pairing for him on the right side, and it's literally, you're talking WWE tag team worthy if you pair these two guys. But Pete, 41, who'd you run with here?
1: Uh, So uh, part of this is, and and, and I'm waiting for the second round to sort of shake itself out. Um, There's just an infuriating sort of group of players to me uh so I, I went the twin towers uh route and uh, and i took my guy uh uh Tiga winogo uh, the prince of auburn um again he he plays in a heavy zone scheme uh, limited it's it's more basic than some of the others but that's all they do at auburn is run zone uh, he's a project he's got to get you know he's got to get more consistent like he can do things that will make you just incredibly impressed at the same time there's some inconsistency that will drive you nuts. Um, you know, I, I, I think having a guy like Kendall Lamb in the mix is very important because if you're, you're – you know, I don't think you can plan on two tackles being ready to go as rookies, but, you know, if they do, that's great. But you have to have some, you know, some ability to, to be flexible, and I think Kendall Lamb offers you that. So I, I, I will see with his, with his testing and stuff – I I love the upside of Winogo. I think interviews and stuff are going to be important for him just to get a sense of how badly he wants to be great watching tape. I I think he looks like a guy who's only going to get better and better and better. I'd be curious to see what he has to say. Um, at least for the time being, I think he's still slated to go to the senior bowl. Uh, so if he does, I think it'd be a great opportunity for him. Uh, as always, I'm always happy to, to fly the Nigerian flag. Uh, with these prospects, uh, the Super Soldier Project that seems to be operating out of that place in terms of uh, genetics, uh, but I I know a lot of people hate this notion of going with two rookies, offensive tackle, um, and again that's why you've Kendall Lamb, but this you know it's it's what this class has, and you know if you get these guys going right, or you're looking at this and saying. You know, 2020 has now become more of a trying to get things sorted out uh, correctly, you know, with the eye of making the playoffs and those type of things. But with an eye towards really trying to compete in 21 21 and 22, then, you know, establishing those tackles is going to be really important for that because you already have the other three spots theoretically sewn up with Wyatt Teller and Drew Forbes uh, as presumably that right guard. Is one of the things you have to find out is where this coaching staff is going to like Forbes. Uh, but you, you've got Treader and Batonio. So if you can get those other spots sorted out to keep Baker Mayfield upright, you're going to be in great, great shape.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, by the time these rookies are up for money, you're probably talking the end of, you know, Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader. And you shift the money outward and you start rebuilding on the interior. Um, so that there you go. Doubled up on tackles. Pick seventy
1: four, Pete. Uh, so seventy four. Um, I didn't expect him to be here, uh, but he was sitting here, so I went ahead and took him. Uh, I took Travis Eddiean from Clemson. Um, I, I think Clemson. Uh, I'm again, since it's a virtual home game for LSU, I'm I'm fully prepared for this to just backfire and be a blowout. But I think Eddiean is the reason that. If Clemson's going to win, it's going to be because of him. It's because I don't, I don't know any team that has anybody that can really stop him uh, in terms of his ability after the catch and those type of things. He's just he's so athletic and so fast. And again, uh, we'll see what they do with Kareem Hunt. I, I would trade him. I would move on and and get you know a rookie in this case, Eddie, in, uh, on a you know three year deal. As opposed to one-year deal and, and probably going
0: away with Kareem Hunt, so I'd rather move him.
1: And the three-year yeah. deal
0: may be less money than what you're paying for Kareem for one year.
1: Uh, it probably breaks about even, but nevertheless, I mean, it's exactly, the kind of basic idea. It, it's three years versus one. Um, so I think you know there. Are, I think it's a great running back class, even with Chuba Howard going back to school, which was stunning. Um, that you know, if you do move Hunt you can get somebody that's gonna fit what you're trying to do uh really well and fits what you know, a great compliment to Chubb. You know, I, I'm not caught up in you have to get a certain type of back other than somebody who can run zone. Uh the complement uh Chubb but he is uh obviously a speed element that that that
0: can be a game changer. Yeah, well, and the thing with me for eating, for Travis Atien is what I like is, you know, Nick is all of that and athletic, So if I'm taking him out of the game, I want somebody that's got one maybe calling card that Nick doesn't a little bit faster. Um, I'm not really going to feed him nearly a lot. I mean, I, so I, I want, if I take Nick off the field, I want something that can blow things up and be an absolute game changer. And that's why I like this kid as much as I do. Pete, so that takes us there. There's three picks, and obviously with five in the top 105. Pick 90. Go ahead, Pete.
1: Uh, I took Antoine Winfield. He was sitting there, and, you know, he's good. Uh, this like is going to change. <laughs> he's yeah, I fire. like what he can do with a strong safety, potentially the free safety. Production's crazy. I'm curious to see how he tests. Obviously, the medical is going to be a key. You know, nobody seems to really have a good feel for where he's going to go. So he's interesting, but he has declared for the draft.
0: So, um, he's he's in the mix. That will take us and from there. Um, this now will be, you know, five picks in the top one oh five. And this is maybe why I like um the prospect of moving on from Hunt as much as I do is you're getting six picks in the top one oh five in this class. And it's a really good class. It's a really great position to be in. And that's why I'm wondering how the analytics are gonna play with Kareem in this scenario. Pete pick one oh five
1: uh I took Evan Weaver, the linebacker from cal uh his production is absurd. He gets like one of he got like one every out of every five solo tackles Cal had this year um question question's gonna be about his athleticism. I think he's more of a Mike backer than he is uh he was more of a outside guy for for Cal um uh, but all he does is find the football and make plays, so that's kind of what you want from that.
0: What you're expecting takes us to pick 167. And now, obviously, no fifth round pick. When you come back here in the sixth round, you start to get in this BPA type of territory, Pete.
1: Uh, I took McTelvin Agam. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but the defensive lineman from Arkansas. Uh, for whatever reason, he's like always rated really low on these things. And I don't know what it is. My guess is he's, he's going to move up. Uh, he's at the Shrine game this week, uh, and he has great production across the board. He's a nice three-technique. that can get up the field and penetrate and do those type of things. Um, Arkansas is a garbage team, so it's possible that that's part of the problem is some of these guys they have that are very talented are going to slip through the cracks a little bit, but he's he's really good.
0: All right, people, close it out here as we are getting a little tight on time. 221 before all the compensi- uh, compensatory picks come in which would be in the regular realm of it would be the third to last pick of the draft.
1: Uh, I took Joe Gaziano, the edge from Northwestern. Uh, he's really productive. Um, base end. He probably can slide inside in certain situations. Um, he's just, you know, he's like, you know, Chad Thomas, but good. So <laughs> uh, he, he may not test particularly well, but he just seems to understand how to actually, you know, the the idea of the game is to actually tackle people. And he does that at a at a high rate.
0: Uh so we took you here through here your mock draft Monday. We started to cover uh you know, the analytics side and the